Welcome to the Gosnells Live at Five podcast. I'm Tom, and I'm the founder here at Gosnells. I'm Will, I'm the head brewer here at Gosnells. I'm James, and I make the meat. This is our informal podcast, which we're spinning out from our Instagram live sessions. We do these every Friday live at five, and we'll be talking about honey, fermentation, and of course what we're here for, the mead. We'll also be joined from time to time by some very special guests to talk about booze more generally. If you haven't already, guys, hit that subscribe button to our podcast, whatever medium you're on. Uh, leave us a review. Follow us on our social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Gosnells Mead. Perfect. Should we get into it? Let's do it. Let's do it. Oh, hello, Will. Well, we're back, buddy. We're we back. Are... It feels like forever since we've done one of these. It's been, well, I've forgotten how high my voice is. Three weeks? Yeah, I just realised <clears> I've just got a little bit oh, of... Uh... I've got one three weeks, Well, Oh, my God. There's a reason why we've... Uh... We haven't been here. Yeah, the, for those of you who don't know, we're opening our bar, so the new Mead Garden in Peckham. As of today. Uh, um, four minutes ago it opened, so hopefully it's uh, all going all right out there, but we shall... Hence the bags. That was me showing the bags underneath my eyes. Yeah, exactly. It's just a lot going on, isn't there? Um, we're excited to be joined by Ken Stram, the original Mead Maker. Yeah, I've a big influence on my yeah, yeah, exactly. And me um, too. And I, I, I don't think I've been uh, this nervous to do, a, do a, an Instagram Live or a podcast. Um, but I'm also excited. Yeah, it would be good. Um, so as soon as he, he joins, we'll, we'll start having a chat with him. Hopefully, um, we are live, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, just, see, this is, yeah, we're not used uh, to it. We've done a lot of these uh, over Zoom now, and we don't have to go through all the stresses of making sure that everything's working and everybody's there. Yeah. You can just sit back, relax, and, and uh, have a drink. Oh, but it is good, isn't it? So what are we drinking tonight, Well, So this is uh, one of the new things for our... For our Mead garden. Mead garden. Yeah, I was trying to figure you out which say you have to say it enough times. Yeah. So stick. Um, like a beer garden, but mead. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for the explanation. Oh, well, you know, for everybody else. That's... Everyone else. Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, that Sorry, makes. Sorry, we are live. Yeah. Oh, see, Ken's on. Ken, we'll be with you in two seconds. We're just having some witty banter. Oh, like yeah. Uh, you, you want to? <laughs> no, I don't. Um, yeah. So we're we're drinking a uh, a sour mead. Tom. Uh, yeah, castle sour. No, no, not we a kettle sour. Sours. We don't make kettle sour. So this is a. I just use words. This is actually using um, the Philly sour, which is a. Uh, I, I wish I knew the name of the yeast, and it's not really a new yeast, but they reckon it's a new yeast. But um, it's uh, a yeast that actually produces lactic acid. Oh, amazing! So, like a lot of breweries want those, you know, no chance of getting infection. It's quite a simple thing. So, it just the more glucose you have in your environment. Uh, the more lactic acid it produces, I mean, and this is banging. This is um, so we this... still get that outside. It's not crazy sour. Yeah. It's a little bit of sweetness, lots of fruit, but uh, in the summer in the sunshine, yeah, it's perfect. It's, it's great. Uh, so yeah, no, thanks. For tip, tip of the cap. I'm always in the brewery as well. Yeah, well, yeah, it's yeah, well tastes delicious. Right, should we have a chat with Ken? Let's get into it. I think because um, I am also jonesing to see how many how oh, busy same. the mead bar is as we leave. Anyway, um, so hopefully this will work. Um, we shall see. We might have to pull out the uh, the ultra cool 007 earplugs. Well, maybe, maybe. Anyway, whilst Ken, Ken comes on. Oh, Ken. Hey. How are we? Cheers. 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 How are you? I'm well. I'm very well. Thank you. Really, uh, really excited to have you here. Thank you so much for, for sparing some time. I, uh, I hear it's drought season, so you know every, every minute counts. Well, we're in the we're in the section of the of the trout season where uh, it's exclusively catch and release. Some waters open, some waters not. Uh, the the whole thing uh, opens up on uh, the last Saturday in April. The all the trout water in the state opens up then. So you're not you're not uh, and, and that, of 
course, the stuff that opens up last is the best water. So, yeah, so yeah. you're not keeping me from anything that I uh, desperate about. Uh, good, I'm glad. Yeah, that's good. So, um, do you do you want to give me like I, I could give you an introduction that that is worthy, but uh, yeah, do you want to introduce yourself, Ken, and uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about you and and your mead story, just to start with. Well, I mean, <laughs> that's, that's it's long. <laughs> so, so, we've got some time don't worry we've got some time i'll start i'll start christmas in 1987 my brother uh gave me uh a copy of the complete meat maker by charlie papazian which is the the book that most american home brewers have uh, uh have used as as either their first or one of their first books um mm-hmm. kind of this was kind of the model for for what i did with my book um and I, he gave it to me in 1987 and and uh, i made my first batch in ni- early 1988 in fact speaking of opening day of trial season i went i went out on open, opening day of trial season i went on a camping trip with my uh my brother-in-law andy and my older brother mike and and uh they you know so christmas is in you know four months ahead of the opening day and 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 my my brother-in-law andy had made his first beer and i was i was skeptical i wasn't sure i could actually make a good beer you know i was like "Eh, can i really do this which was stupid because i mean i've always been i've always been uh into cooking and and baking i make great pies i make great bread you know how i how i thought that you know somehow i couldn't manage to mix barley and yeast but i could do just about everything else uh ridiculous this is a stupid thing but i but i was you know uh i was young and stupid and and anyways um as soon as i tasted andy's i was like oh my gosh this was great it was a porter it was it was uh his his first beer and it was spectacular and i thought okay i'm in and at that point i jump when i jump into stuff i jump in with both feet and so i i I uh, didn't yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, I I, uh, I cranked it up really hard. I, I uh, immediately joined the American Homebrewers Association, and I the first copy of that magazine that I got uh, had an article about the first five nationally nationally ranked beer judges. You know, in in, in the U.S., there's the BJCP, the Beer Judge Certification yeah. Program, and everybody works their way up the ranks. And these are the first guys that ever hit national, right? Which is it was a pretty big honor, and the people that were on that list were really, really cool. I came to know a few of them: Scott Pickham and and uh, and Bill Pfeiffer and Dave Norton. And anyways, um, as soon as I saw that there was one of them that lived like ten minutes from my house, I called them up and said, "Hey, I, I need your help. I need to get better." Yeah. Well. In, in this book, by then, by the about the time I had called him, I'd already made my first meet. Right, right here at the back of yeah. Here you go, um, right, right here, appendix number five. What is mead? And and I I, I cranked it up immediately. And when you read it, uh, um, he, he talks he talks in in this book about uh, if you can find it. Uh, commercially imported brewed mead um, pr- possesses a fantastic potential for overindulgence with hangovers. <laughs> but but uh, I mean, he, he talks uh, he talks about how, how good it is, and, and so I, I got started. But I, I didn't. I you know, a bunch of my beers were were good, but not great. And and Bill, who was a really incredible brewer, he had already been mead maker of the year in 1985. Um, he he just you know steered me down the path and and we became really good friends 
and he helped me make a lot of good meats. I mean, one of the things about that recipe is that it's got corn sugar in it. And uh, no, <laughs> I don't want any yeah. corn. He's, he's like, no, you, you get that out of there. Let's, let's let's start get that out of there. And this is important, and this is important, and uh, um, the whole thing was was uh, was really really uh, instructive. My my relationship with Bill was incredibly instructive, and and. Um, he convinced me to join the Ann Arbor Brewers Guild, which is the it's the crew of guys from the University of Michigan. They're they're all smarter than me. <laughs> it's a bunch of professors. <laughs> there were some incredible guys and, and people that had done stuff that was just out, outrageous. Um, one year, one year, the two guys from the Ann Arbor Brewers Guild won like Pale Ale of the Year, which is a pretty big thing to win, and Pilsner yeah. of the Year. <laughs> Two boats yeah, sort out the categories. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, well, and 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 in terms of the hard stuff to brew too, you know, the pilsner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but you know, one of them one of them was a professor at U of M, and the other one was an engineer who was friends with a bunch of professors from U of M. So so you know, I I, I immediately started hanging out with guys who were really really good, really really smart. And and all, all of them incredibly generous with their knowledge. You know, that's that's the important thing in, in the whole in the hobby and in the industry. Everybody's got to be generous with their knowledge. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, one thing led to another. We started the Mazer Cup in 1992. Once we started the Mazer Cup, the people from the American Homebrewers Association started saying, hey, you guys, you guys should uh, teach more people about mead. So Dan, Dan McConnell, Dr. Dan McConnell, professor of micro biology from university of michigan uh he and i put together this mead matrix where we we took uh we did six different honeys with the same yeast and then six different yeasts on the same honey and we Mm -hmm. took all of those meads to the national conference and and presented them in a session uh there that got a lot of people just ripping good good and drunk and Everyone learned a lot. Everyone tasted a lot, and everyone uh, had a had a tremendous time. And that you know that kind of cemented our reputation. After that, people started asking us to write articles. People started asking us to do more. We we kept doing the kept doing the competition, the Mazer Cup, and and you know, eventually when it came time to who's going to write the book, the Brewers Association contacted me and said. You know, you ready to write the book? <laughs> by, by that point, Dan was actually, uh, I mean, Dan is an incredibly busy man. Uh, he, 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 right now he teaches uh, graduate students and runs incredible lab programs. And he just said, Ken, you write the book? <laughs> and I did. And so that's the, you know, that's the complete meat maker. Yeah, which, yeah, which, which, which we've yeah, every read. good mead maker's read. Yeah, we've read that. Uh, <laughs> I lend it out, which is why I haven't got my copy. It's definitely now. the first book that we recommend. Anyone's like, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, I want to learn more about me. It's like, okay, take that, that. Just take that. Have, have a peruse and see what you think. Yeah, it's good. It's a real, real reference point. It's, yeah. Uh, yes, it's awesome to be able to speak to you. It um, is good. It's, it's, I mean, I, I've, 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 seen, I've seen some criticism that's valid, uh, you know, on like Amazon and various other places that says, you know, you didn't, you didn't do a good enough job. Uh, covering the honeys that people are going to use around the world. I mean, you can't cover everything, can yeah, you? Yeah, well, that's, that's it. And, and the world changes as well. New things get found, and and, yeah. and that, that's the joy of it as well. You know, that, that constant changing of it is is what makes it such a beautiful thing. If it was always the same, somebody would have done it, and you would have forgotten about it. 
No, they're 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 points valid though. I mean, I I didn't know yeah, 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 it was gonna. Well. I didn't know the book was gonna. I mean, it's, it's selling in Japan now. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> but um, but I didn't. You know, I, I sort of didn't know. But on the other hand, I mean, meat meat is if if there is a truly global beverage, it's meat. I mean, yeah. Everywhere, everywhere. They 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 got to the United. I say they they, they get to Central America. And found um, the 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 natives taking taking um, this tiny these tiny little quantities of honey that they were getting from what were called meloponine these these uh, stingless bees. Uh, yeah, I've had some of that honey. It is incredible. The whole the whole hive the whole hive is 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 about the size of one of those you know wrapped in paper burn it in your in your fireplace logs that you can buy at the grocery store, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this big, um, and they get they get you know, two kilos of honey out of it a year. And, and they're using that honey to make meat. <laughs> Which yeah. is, that's that's like, tells, tells you how much people are, uh, uh, yeah, they're enamored of the, the drink. Yeah, no, that's good. And so, so Ken, when did you set up a commercial meadery? Was that fairly late on or was that sort of at the beginning? Tell us that kind of history. Um, here in the U.S., uh, you, you got to pay for your kids to go to college, <laughs> and I was. So, I, I mean, I got, I was, and in fact, my my other job was in in television production. I was a television production supervisor. So, and, and it was a pretty decent paying job. wasn't I wasn't you know getting rich by any standard, but uh, but the uh, the question of whether or not I could afford to quit that and start a meadery while I was trying to pay for my kids' college was was not a no, yeah, yeah. I'm going to get my kids through their through their college, and and in fact, I'm really glad I did because uh, one of them is the CEO for Shram's Mead right now, and the other one is <laughs> Orchard. Well so, so I'm glad we got that taken care of. Um, but but um, it, around 2010, I started making serious serious uh, inquiries and I, I kind of set up a panel of people to advise me and then originally I was going to have some partners in the thing um, and one of them couldn't do it because he had he had other other alcohol licenses that were in conflict you know he thought he was going to be able to pull it off and then his lawyer said look this is going you know what this is going to cost you and he went okay I'll stop <laughs> and so then the whole thing got you know like thrown up in the air and I went and saw a business consultant and the business consultant looked me up and said, um, well, why do you want partners? <laughs> well, you, you seem to be the guy. So why don't you just go ahead and do it on your own? And I did. And, and that's that we, we, we got going, um, got really ramped up in 2012. We signed a lease for our first location into the, the in January of 2013 and we opened our doors in September of 2013. Oh, so not too far, not too far away from me, but obviously, yeah, yeah. So, so Ken, tell us about tell us about Scrams Media and what, what sort of stuff you're making now. How has that evolved over the eight nine years you've been doing it? I've had, I've been lucky enough to try it once when I was visiting Charm City down in Baltimore, and they had a bottle open, um, and that's the only time, and it was. It was good. It was good gear. Can't, can't, yeah, it was really good. I mean, let me first let me first say this: we we make meads that are rich and dense and sweet. Uh, virtually everything that we make is sweet. We've only made one dry mead the whole time we've been been in business, and we had a hell of a time trying to make it sell. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, 
so we, we, we leave some residual sugar there. Part of that is because I think people, you know, I, I don't know how hard it is for you guys, but for us, there's still a, a, a big lack of awareness in the United States about what meat is and, and how good it can be. Oh, completely. I, I yeah, it's, it's even, even big, worse here. Yeah, it's even worse here. I think the, the challenge is here. We've been banging the drum for nearly 10 years. Wow, eight, nine years. And it's still hard. And it's still hard to kind of explain to people because we're still at that functional level of explaining to people what meat is and what they do with it. That's kind of where we are. Um, and so, yeah, and we, yeah, we quite enjoy being that education platform. Yeah. Well, I guess you have no real choice. <laughs> but, but it's also nice to get somebody who's green and, 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 and get them to the, the, they're interested and then just seeing that development and that excitement once they find a meat that isn't uh, scary to them, you know, like it, there's, there's certain types of meat that people generally try that, that put them off. And when they have something that's, that's a little bit more approachable or a little better made, and they go, oh, okay. Oh, this is nowhere near what I expected. Well, the, the biggest challenge is getting it on people's tongues. Mm-hmm. Once, once they try it, <laughs> once they try it, then, oh, I, it tastes like this? Yeah. <laughs> No, it wasn't, it wasn't like a, a shark that was going to uh, attach your attach itself to your tongue as soon as you put it up to your lips. No, this stuff is good. This stuff is yeah, really yeah. good. And that I mean that was the whole point of the book. Writing the book was to help people to have enough enough uh, you know wherewithal to to put together a meat that was delicious. And, and once you've done that, then the, then the then the biggest problem is is the, the predilections, the preconceptions people have about mead when they haven't really ever had any good meat. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so you got to get it on people's tongues. Um, we, we make, we make meats that are, I kind of view, I kind of view shrams as having a, re- a responsibility to, if you taste a shrams meat to, to no matter which one it is, it's got to be good enough that you want to have another one. Yeah. Right? It's got to be that good. And in fact, really what I'm trying to do is to, uh, is to try and get people to to uh, the point where they absolutely want to have I almost create that addiction. Like I remember when I first tried it, I was like, I I need to find more about this. I need to find yeah. find out how, how it's made. How is it different? Who's making what? How many different styles they are? Like it just I, I instantly got addicted to the to the uh, to the medium. So to make to make meads like you know like that that, that we think are gonna you know. Bring draw people in and and hook them. Uh, we we make meads with a lot of fruit character. We use yeah. real fruit all the time. We use we use uh, you know a, a bunch of honey and we use great honey. We we are really particular about whose honey gets to go into our meat. Um, we we've got a Scottish heather that we we really like. Um, in terms of our traditionals, we we use. Uh, um, honeys that are big and characteristic and really memorable so that once you taste them you 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 know exactly you should know exactly what that honey tastes like when you're done with it and and if if i mean heather's heather's a kind of a divisive thing people yeah people like heather honey or they don't and if you don't like heather honey don't don't drink our heather meat <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's as easy as that yeah, but if you, you know, we're, we're, on the other hand, if you love Heather Honey, and a lot of people do, you should love our meat. Uh, yeah. Heather, uh, it's, it's, it's ridiculously expensive to make. <laughs> uh, it's the, that and, and uh, Tasmanian leatherwood are just 
outrageously expensive honeys. They're yeah. also they're outrageously expensive because they're really rare and they're outrageously delicious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's the only time when we made our heather honey uh, um, mead here that I went home and I've been a mead maker for years. And I walked into the house, my girlfriend went, "Go have a shower now." I was like, why don't you go? Do you smell so intense? I, I can't have you in the same room. That that like it's not that it smells stuff. bad. No, it's just, it's just so intense. S- saturating. It's yeah. saturating. And and the uh the the, the Tasmanian leatherwood the the, the the heather I mean just smells like you open the jar. And 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 when we when we when we bought a drum, we bought uh, you know, a uh, fifty-five US gallon drum of of Heather, and when we opened it just to see what it was like, as soon as we cracked the lid, the entire building and the building is yeah, yeah, building yeah. is uh, fifty two hundred square feet. <laughs> it, it, it was just everyone. People came out of the offices. What? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah, just saying. Guys coming from downstairs, going, "What are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing?" <laughs> and we brew every day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, the same thing's true with Tasmanian leatherwood. If you haven't had any, you, know, you should you should oh, get yeah. Of, yeah get get yourself a small jar of it and 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 open it up and and uh, when when we opened it the first time we opened it and and poured it at a we made a, we made a five gallon pilot batch and and we served that at a breakfast that we had at, at our tasting room and we opened it way in the back and the whole place just immediately smelled like a florist shop. <laughs> That's you you could watch people you know they're eating their breakfast and then <laughs> it was great it was it was precious but but that's that's you know so those are those are our intentions is to just to make meads that are uh that are really characteristic of the fruits that they have in them and and that are uh really true to form with the honey and that are delicious um, yeah, because I see you have quite quite high fruit fruiting rates as well, and for, I guess for the same reason as well. I've seen a couple of things that you've written that uh, you know some of your things are right up to that sort of almost fifty fifty split. Yeah, yeah, and that's by volume. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of fruit in in them, and in fact, we have even gone to a higher a higher split. We've we have done uh, Dave Anderson, who's one of the mead makers at at the. Uh, at the production facility has has done meads now with with raspberries and with strawberries where it's just fruit and honey that's awesome that's mad i would love to uh, let's do that yeah. <laughs> yeah. okay cool yeah let's go into yep. that not lots but like a little bit yeah you know it takes a lot of work you got it you got to yeah, work yeah. The, to keep the honey in suspension you got to work to get the honey in suspension if you're not using any water how are you gonna you know how are you gonna yeah, yeah. But but uh, they're great. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's just got me. That's got me really excited. But I did like that shrub I made the other day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, sorry, we're out off. Of, we've, been, we've been playing a lot with uh, honey vinegar, or at least I have recently, and that's uh, that's amazing. It's it's, just I've been using yeah. everything. Yeah. <laughs> so honey vinegar, as in mead vinegar, is what I mean. Yeah. Well, we we we're, we're a little scared about letting those bugs in the in the building, <laughs> but uh, yeah, well, we, we, we do it in the office. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, exactly, exactly. But uh, no, that that's become really popular in the United States right now. The two things that are that are coming, you know, growing out of the meat industry in the U.S. are are honey, are meat vinegars, and and uh, distilled beverages from meat as well. Yeah, 
Um, Which I've tried a couple. I've I've, I've done I've a little distillery in uh, in Slovenia. And uh, I did some uh, elderflower me, which I put through put through the still, and it was incredible. Mm. Uh, just like the florality of the elderflower and the honey together, it's come out at about sixty five percent. But I could drink that all day. Mm. Yeah, it's it's impressive how well the florality passes all the way through the distillation process. Yeah, you know, I, I, I thought I thought there was a good chance that what you're going to end up at the end of that was just going to be you know. A, pile of alcohol on the nose and not much of a floor but it, it makes it, it it's impressive so how have you seen kind of attitudes to mead change over the, the sort of time you've been been working with mead i mean obviously it's a long time but maybe like the last 10 15 years i mean presumably awareness is getting better do you, you, know, do you think it's ever going to get to the mainstream or, or you know what, how, how do you sort of see things going Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I see. I see. Well, this is it's funny because I mean, I, I've I've used this line, and you may have heard other people say it as well. That uh, in in the U.S., mead is about twenty years behind um, craft beer. Yeah, and and it, it took me a while to realize. Okay, well, we'll check it out. Find out when this book came out. And this this book came out in nineteen. It's, I think it's eighty four. 1983. <laughs> this book came out in 1983. My book came out in 2003, 20 years later. <laughs> I'm 20 years behind? Well, this is the book everybody started with when they started making beer. And then the first, I won't say it's not, it's not the, it, 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 but it was the kind of the first um, more complete, more comprehensive book. It was definitely yeah. my, my first me making book. Right, right. So, I, I so, can throw that up there. <laughs> So, so I don't, I don't think we're ever going to be big like beer. I mean, we, we face a problem. I mean, everybody, everybody in the world knew what beer was when this book came out. Everybody yeah. in the world is not aware of what meat is when my book came. Was not a miracle. So, so we have we have another hurdle to overcome there. Mm-hmm. But I think I think we'll reach the point where we're we're uh, where mead across across the globe will have a similar profile to something like champagne right every store will have some champagne in it every store will have some meat in it there will be some meat and cheap champagne and there will be some expensive champagne and there will be some cheap meat and there'll be some expensive meat i think that whole i mean what i'm really excited about is the fact that um there's there's a huge range right there can be there can be light and sparkling and delicious meat in a can then there can be meat like this in a bottle that took a you know a, a giant pile of fruit and a whole lot of honey, and it costs more money because you know the process yeah. takes longer and the whole thing. So it's just a different. It's a different product, and mm-hmm. that spectrum of products that can be in the in the in the um, in the the larder or in the in the the variety that's available to the public that's got to you know it's got to flesh itself out. And it's going to flesh itself. I mean, the, the mead thing will do the same thing that in the United States craft beer did, and you know, beer in in Europe did over a long period of time. I mean, I mean trust me, I love you guys beer. <laughs> um, uh, it's it's why I do what I do um, because I I, uh, I tried to drink American beer for a long time, and I asked my dad, "Is is all beer like this?" And he's like, "No, <laughs> no, you need to try, you know." You need to try some beer from Europe. You need to try. Yeah. Uh, so I did. <laughs> and whoa. <laughs>
that's it's completely different. Really different. Yeah, and you know, I started off with Dortmund Union, and then there was, and then there uh, started off with Dortmund Union and and uh, and uh, German Lowenbrow, and yeah. and then Newcastle Brown, and then you know, back when it was made in Newcastle, yeah. I also grew up in that in Australia. Yeah, that, that, that was that was one of those things, one of those brands that come across and you have and you're like, oh, okay. Oh, that, yeah. that, that's actually really cool. Okay, I can, I can get behind this. Boddington's in a cam. Boddington's in a cam with a widget. That's that gets exported everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. I mean, there, there's there, everybody, everybody, I mean, especially in the United States where, where so much American beer is just a, a really industrial product. And, and, I, I think most people just honestly drink it because it gives them a buzz and it's cheap. Yeah. They don't, they don't drink it because, it, you know, they, they find it delicious. They convince themselves that it's delicious over a period of time because that's what, you know, they get, they build some weird brand loyalty. But um, once, once you get, once you get into good beer and the same thing will happen with me, you know, once people find out what good meat tastes like and they, they start building some brand loyalty. And the other thing that has to happen for all of us in the meat industry is that they have to figure out a way to work it into their lives. You know, how, yeah. how, how is it, you know, in, in the United States, for example, you have, uh, the, there's, there's this huge percentage of the population that likes to have uh, a bottle of wine with pizza, right? They order a pizza and they, and they get, they get a bottle and they drink a good bottle, you know, an inexpensive but tasty bottle of red wine. Yeah. Well, that's okay. You know, that's great. It's a, it's a really good pairing. There are some really great pairings with mead that people haven't like worked into their life yet. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, so for example, um, meads with, with good dark fruits are great. And I'm going to, I'm going to forgive me again. I'm going to talk about American, American food, but barbecue is huge here. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, Southern style barbecue, Texas style bar- barbecue, Carolina style barbecue is is really is really big. Even in the north, all all across the country, there's barbecue joints everywhere. And meat goes tremendously well with barbecue. Meat also yeah. goes tremendously yeah. well. With, meat also goes tremendously well with with Thai food. And yeah, yeah we we've seen that. Yeah. Yeah, it's like spicy acid, food. Acid, yeah, acid, it's acid and sweetness that really just goes so well just cuts with through some of that spice. Yeah. yeah. Sure. And the acidity, you know, if you're using if you're using fruits that have high acidity, like raspberries and, and stuff like that. Um, but but even traditional meats and, and sparkling meats, uh, they go really well. Those that it's, it's all well, it, it's kind of a natural with Thai food and with Indian food. And and but people haven't like they haven't built that routine. They haven't built that coupling thing in that says every time I get some Thai, I'm going to open a meat. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll get there. People will start doing that. I mean, people once people it takes once for you to never stop. You know, once you make that connection, you're like, no, you need to try this. You need to try this. You know, and it's it you build that into like we call it that that occasion. You know, like yeah, it just yeah, exactly. becomes that that ritual that you have that uh, that you sort of hold on to for the rest of your life. Sure, sure. Well, I mean, and there's nothing wrong with that. If if it's a, if it's a great pairing, it's a great pairing. People people have uh, red wine and a good piece of bread meat because it's really good yeah yeah so and then you know people have people have uh or or people have you know a a bottle of chiani and a a pizza or some or some pasta because it's great pairings well yeah there there are truly spectacular pairings with mead that people just haven't quite figured out yet we'll get there we'll get with we all have you know like you said we all have an obligation to help people learn that stuff 
and it needs to be available too. You know, it needs it needs to be there for you to find that. You know, you, you you're going to take these risks every now and again, and I do it when I go out yeah. as well. You know, like I'll I'll grab something that I've never eaten before, I never drank before, and and that's how you sort of find these things that you never think are going to work, and and that just do. And that's that for me is the most fun thing about eating and drinking is just finding that time where you're like, wow, that 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 tastes amazing together. Yeah. One one thing that I think I'm I, I love mead for is that I mean there are some people that are pretty closed minded about how they deal with their those things in their life, right? But the people who are willing to try a mead, who have that sort of wide open, I want to try a new experience thing, um, well those are good those are fun people to be around. Yeah, hundred <laughs> yeah, percent. Yeah. Fun people to be around. And so if if you find those people and, and you get a chance to say to them, Hey, you know, you're having tikka masala you should try it with with uh, or 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 chicken chetanadu, right? You should try it with the shrams ginger, or you should try it with you know one of the gosnels meats. You 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 should you know, do this. Right. It, yeah. It's one of the things. It, it is like you said. It's one of the things in your life that you're going to be really glad that you learned. Yeah. So yeah, yeah there's there's a lot there's a lot that um and it's 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 enjoyable to be at the tasting room. And to sit and and watch people's eyes and watch what's going on in their head as as they're putting that glass to their mouth for the first time and 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 the the real the realization is striking them that oh, oh I, I really like this <laughs> yeah it's cool isn't it it's, it's, we find it in, in our place as well you always get one person who's obsessed with with me or like has discovered it and is really hooked on it and keep bringing more people back just evangelizing about me <laughs> it's, you just love to see it like, so yeah absolutely love to see it yeah it's, it's one of those things that uh, we would get about the tasting room yeah. and it'd be the same person i'll be there behind the bar serving mead and be the same person each week bringing two three friends and then you would see those friends start bringing their friends into it and you've watched this whole Thing evolve together and and you just smile every time they walk in with a new set of people and you go through the same conversation with them and it's it's yeah it's it's really endearing what but but i mean that's i mean when i get back to this the story about this book that is exact that is exactly what happened with craft beer in the united states right people have been drinking this average beer and someone said hey man you, you got to try these pale ales you, you're just not going to believe how good this stuff is and some of them are like yeah 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 and then they the same thing happens you know the same exact yeah. thing happens yeah. somebody said uh, no 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 man time to wake wake up <laughs> open your mind <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so Ken, what, what are you excited about for the future of Mead? Like, uh, what or you know, what's coming up in Scrams World, and then what in general do you think is going to happen, and what what's what's still to come? Two two big things. Two big things. Um, there is going to be there is going to be an overlap with the people who make honey and the people who make mead. Because yeah. already, already, I mean, not already for. For hundreds and thousands of years, thousands of years in wine, and many hundreds of years with with beer, there's been a relationship between the people who grow the grapes and the people who make the wine. And the people who grow the grapes are trying to make the best grapes they can possibly make to make the best wine. And that's why that Burgundy is like 10, you know, whatever, 6,000 pounds, right? 6,000 pounds a bottle? Well, that's because somebody's... figured this out <laughs> well they're giving their life to it you know like i, I worked as a viticulturalist and and 
the, the amount of time and effort is incredible. Generations have given their lives. Families have given hundreds of years of their family life to this prospect. The same thing has to happen with honey and meat, right? Right now, the people are making honey, but they're not necessarily trying to make the best honey to make meat. Right? They're making good honey, um, but it, it's it's there is going to be an overlap there, and I think there's 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 a second overlap with like if you look in if you look in uh, Barbaresco and and Italy and and a lot of other places, they're called in Italy they're called produttori's, where in 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 uh, in Barbaresco uh, was it was actually the priest at the church realized you get you know you great it was very much like it is with honey right the people who made honey don't make meat for the most part there's a few of them that do but yeah. most of the people who make the honey make the honey and the people who make the mead make the meat well in 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 northern italy the people who grew the grapes were not the people who made the wine and the people who made the wine were taking the grapes that they were buying for very little and making it into wine that they were selling for a great deal <laughs> right and the and the and the guy from the church said hey uh you guys deserve a chunk of that money and so he put a, he put a group of grape growers together and said, "Look, uh, put this collective together, the produttori, and I will make the wine, but you guys will all share in the profit, the value add, as they say in the U.S. and probably in in the U.K. as well. Mm-hmm. The value add will now go back to you guys as well. And then what that does is that creates two way pressure for." for quality increases. The guys who are making the wine want the grapes to be as good as they can possibly be. And the guys who are growing the grapes want the wine to be as good as it can possibly be because the, you know, the two things work together to create value. And if the same thing starts to happen with honey, what we will see is that, you know, it'll be incremental increases in quality as it occurs, but we'll get people out there who are, you know, the, 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 the beekeepers will see the the additional revenue that comes out of turning it into mead because it's worth a lot more as a, under a cork than it is inside of a little jar, and and then and then they can use that money to increase the product quality of what they're delivering. So there's I'm I'm excited to see how that's going to work out. Yeah, and in, yeah. invest that back into the education to be able to 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 grow that process as well, right? And that's. That's, yeah, that's such a beautiful way to look at it as well is, you know, it's 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 not necessarily about trying to make the, the most efficient product, but to, to do the best that you can with it and educate you way through that and share that as well, you know, and you don't have the ability to do that when you're trying to push yeah. out a product at a, at a bare minimum level to be able to make sure that you're making your ends meet. So then the next thing is uh, the same, you know, the same thing with respect to the fruit, and that's we're starting an orchard. Um, it, it's small. It's it's uh, six point one acres. I think acres are the same in the UK as they are here. Yeah. It's not yeah. not tiny, but it's it's not big. On the other hand, you know, you think of people that are that are out there growing, you know, there there are huge orchards, and yeah, we, very, we will use a lot more fruit than can come off of our orchards still for a long time. But what we will be able to do is the same process, which is to say. Um, and I don't know people that are doing this. Any, I don't know if anybody who is growing raspberries to grow them as well as they can possibly be fermented. You know, who is, who is, because the, yeah, the, the grape guys are maximizing that quality 
to, to absolutely deliver ultimate product. And that's why the Burgundies and the Bordeaux's and the, the German Rieslings and the California Cabernets cost as much as they do. It's because those people are working extremely hard to control every variable to improve the quality of the product that's going to end up in the bottle and in your glass. I believe that I believe that that approach is doable. I don't believe it. I know that that approach is doable. Somebody's got to do the hard work, and we're we're about it. Yeah, because I think cool. uh, especially in the fruit industry, like a lot of that is based on how much can how much fruit can I produce from from this plot of land? How much money can I make from that sort of plot? And that's that that takes away from that that process. Yeah, you can swell it full of water, and you can make these sort of you know, your, your raspberries as big as you need them to be, but same as with grapes, you know, like I did my old vineyard, like half of my side is on um, topsoil and the other half is an old riverbed. And when you blend across the two, you got one that doesn't get as much water as the other. It's a lot denser and, you know, you would always spur prune that side and you would cane prune the other side so that you would get, and like that sort of process was, you know, the, the joy of doing it, but only because you were you were producing wine, right? Otherwise, you're just eating yeah, right? yeah. Otherwise, you know, just eating them, you're not going to really get as much enjoyment out of it. Yep. But but you know, part of part of what's going on in in the U.S. in fruit and probably in Europe as well um, is well, how can I how can I maximize the production from per acre? How yeah. can I how can I in, in the U.S. if fruit's going to end up in a little in a little plastic tin that's sit, sitting in front of a customer that's got to look gorgeous you know how, how, how do i make it as appealing on a grocer's grocer's shelf as i can yeah. how beautiful or you know how how beautiful on your palate aesthetically pleasing yeah so we can you know i don't care what it looks like i care how it tastes <laughs> nobody knows yeah. what the grape look or the, the pardon me nobody knows what yeah. the, yeah, yeah. the bottle look like they care about how it smells and how it tastes yeah that's that's uh, what we're gonna uh, that's what they pay me for. Yeah, that's, that's cool. <laughs> well, Ken, I, we, I, we could talk all day. We generally try and keep these around 45, 50 minutes. Um, so do, do you have any questions for us? Or do you have, is there anything else you want to talk about before we kind of wrap it up? So on the how, well, I mean, my question is: Are you guys happy? Are you guys having a, a good life? And and how has how has uh, the drag of this whole pandemic been affecting you guys? And are you are you getting through it okay? Or yeah, I think uh, I'm going to speak for the company. Yeah, <laughs> we we do have a good life. I would say in general, it's fun, and what we do is is enjoyable, and it's creative, and it's different every day. And I think you know we're doing something different, as you, as you said, the mead people are straight not strange they're out of, they're willing to take something out of the ordinary and i think that that's nice we've got a nice corporate cult, corporate culture there's five of us, six of us. <laughs> so we've got a nice little team here um and the pandemic i think before the pandemic it's hard to remember that time it's quite so so it's only been a year but it's only been a year but we were really excited to get into our stride so we had um so 2020 was, was looking really busy for us in terms of um, orders and you know book, an order book that was full and it was going to be challenging in a, an exciting way and it turned out to be challenging in a, just a challenging way uh, but we're coming out of it and we've not wasted our time I guess during the pandemic we've carried on working quite hard we've thought more about need than we ever have done and we've done things like setting up this podcast and talking and thinking a bit more about community especially um, 
which has been good, I think. Yeah, I think, like, for me personally, during during this as well, it's been a challenge, and I think we've kind of won at it, you know, like, not necessarily in the... We haven't lost. We haven't yeah. lost. But to me, to me, that's a win. Like, yeah. I remember we sat down doing the cliche thing at, at Christmas, like, well, what, you know, what are we proud of this year? I was like, oh, yeah. Proud, proud that I like, didn't... Oh, Tom, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> but what like, are we proud of? Yeah. Like, I'm proud that I didn't allow the emotional strain of outside to collapse me, and I used it as that sort of, that that driving force to go okay cool let's 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 do a podcast let's talk to people let's engage people let's 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 make great product let's let's yeah. get uh, tastings on for people at home let's let's let's, let's bang do that something. drum you know yeah, let's let's, actually, let, let, yeah, let's yeah. fight our way through it. and if we're going to go down we're going to go down fighting yeah. and and it really just uh, you know made us proud as, as as people and as as the company in whole but um, yeah yeah. It's not been I, easy. Take, I take a positive out yeah, of it as much as, how about, as, much how as you, you can. How about you, Ken? How have things been for you? Well, we've been we've been okay. I mean, we we had a shift dramatically. We we lost, I'm, and I'm sure you guys did too. When we lost all the revenue, or you know, vast amounts of the revenue from the tasting room, because that's that's the yeah. most profitable way to sell meat is to is to actually sell it directly to somebody. You know, not sell it through a distributor. Yeah else or through a retailer it's just to it's to sell it directly to somebody that that, that was a, that was a you know that was a, a shot and we had to figure out a way to pivot we did we, we we're, we're doing a lot of shipping right now and that's helped us out tremendously um the direct consumer thing james james uh nager has has built um a, a licensing situation for us that's been great um the 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 thing that i feel saddest about and this is what i was going to ask you guys about is that the tasting room is our connection to our community and people love the fact that you know you're making this thing right here by me and it's really delicious and for us we had you know we have a pretty good profile people then you're one of the coolest meters in the world and you're like right down the street and and i I, I miss seeing those people and I miss being with them. That's the thing that's been the hardest for me about all of this is that when we close our tasting room and that's people's, that's people's image of what Shrams is. Right. And, and that was also their chance to come and, 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 and break bread and, and hoist a glass with us. And I, I that, that hurt, that hurt, you know, that really, I mean, genuinely hurt, hurt. Um, so, and I'm, I'm curious to know how, I mean, how, how does your community love you guys? Does, does your, your local area? Yeah. I mean, I think it's a bit different for us is cause we're in London, which is a big place and it's quite transient. And so there's not that sense of community in the same way there probably isn't, you know, I know about, I would imagine. Um, but in our little Peckham bubble, which is like the, the kind of district we're in, I think we are well known and well liked. And yeah. I think... The pandemic has shown that we've had a lot of local support, and it's been really, really positive. So yeah, yeah we, we, I think we were surprised ourselves actually. Yeah, and I think, and especially like the online shift and starting to see that the people who stuck by, so the people that that used to come to our ta- to our tasting room, and and you sort of saw them move from from going to the tasting room to to buying their meat online and joining us on our on our new meat tasting videos, and 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 just being part of that, and and. But for them as well, like they're pushing to be a part of that community. It wasn't just like we set it up and we had to wait for people to come yeah, and, and, and show themselves as, okay, we're here. And then, boom, everybody just jumped up and went, this is amazing. We love sitting down. You know, the, the same thing as this, you know, where we used to be able to have people come here and see the facility. It's also that being able to see the person and the passion of the person who makes the product as well. And that feedback for us was is such a driving yeah. force as well. Yeah, the part of it—the part of it that I miss—is you know, at the end of this, we're gonna say goodbye and click buttons, 
Whereas if I was at your, if I was at Gosnell's right now, um, we'd end this. And then the two of us, or the three of us would, would pick out what we were going to, uh, what we were going to drink <laughs> next. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then, and then I'd find out what, what clubs that you guys supported and whether you both support the same club or you support different clubs. <laughs> and, and we could talk about why you love them and who's, who's having a good year and who's not. And, and um, that, 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 I mean, that's what I love about, about craft coverages period is, is getting to actually press flesh. And, you know, I'm, the, the line is the hashtag is Ken's a hugger um, because I do <laughs> like hands around people and, and uh, uh, you know, I would be a good, I would be a good Italian <laughs> because <laughs> what I like, man, I like to press. Yeah, I'm, I'm quite a tactile person as well, yeah. Ken, and I've really <laughs> Sorry, struggled. that's why I laughed a lot, David. I've really <laughs> struggled not being able to touch anyone. Yeah, um, man, <laughs> my, my heart's, my heart's yearning, man. <laughs> <laughs> One day, Ken, I'll come, I'll come see you and we can embrace. Yeah, well, you can call me weird, but, you know, you meet somebody and you have a lot in common with them and... Yeah, you want to you want to show them that you care. Yeah, yeah that's the beauty of being human. I yeah. think you know that's that's at least one of the best things about being human. Um, Ken, I, I I personally have one one question, but um, if 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 you could um, go back your ten years to starting your media again, what what would be something that you would just slightly change a little bit, and 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 what how would you start again? Well, the one thing that we did. And, and I mean, I don't know if I would change it, but I will say that I was tepid. I, I didn't really know that we we were going to be as successful as we were. And and we're doing OK now. We're not I mean, I'm not we're investing all of our money. So I'm, I'm, I'm not driving a Jag. Right. I'm I'm, uh, I'm driving a little Subaru wagon, just like everybody else. And we're putting all the money into starting an, an orchard. Right. Or if, if we have money that's coming in, it's going yeah. right into trying to make the product better. Um, but I would have taken a bigger risk. I would have started a little bit bigger because the bigger you start, the yeah. more you accomplish. And I didn't know it. We started with, you know, just tiny little production facility and a tiny little tasting room. And I would have taken just a little bit bigger risk. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's what I would. That's what I would say as well. So just, a, just not, not a crazy big one, but like, just a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it's all about it's all about you know whether or not you get to the point where you're providing people. I mean, you know, we could have given people health insurance, and, and which in the U.S. is a huge thing, right? And we did it as soon as we possibly could, but we might have been able to give them health insurance faster. We yeah. we might. Able to, we, we might, you know, and our, our salaries, I want, I want everybody to make a lot of money, right? I don't, I don't want people to be struggling to live if they're, if they're rams. Um, and we might've been able to pay people a little bit more or have a few more people on the, on the team. And that would have been, you know, that, 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 that to me is what is, is uh, fun about this, you know, is, is, is rewarding is, is being able to, to try and do that and i wish yeah. i wish on a little more for people well it's a nice night to nice yeah. night for us to finish on yeah i think that's uh that's yeah that kind of sums you up for me i think uh thanks very much ken ken thanks yeah thanks so much for your time it's been it's been a real pleasure talking to you my pleasure
And I, I, I personally would be annoying you for as much information as I can over the oh, over we the need period, to do one so. of these like no, no water needs. That's, yeah, that's, I, I, I'm, I'm really intrigued by this, list. and uh, yeah, yeah, keep keep an eye out for my uh, rambling email about how I go through my problems. Tremendous. I, I will read it with glee. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, I really appreciate it, and take care of yourself, and and good luck. Have a great evening. Cheers. Bye. Thank you so much. Oh, that was that was lovely, wasn't it? I, I, I it, it, it. <laughs> there we go. Oh, that was awesome, wasn't I, it? I wish we had so much more time. Uh, uh, we'll say, um, guys, if you're a TV producer watching this and you want to commission a program where Will and I go around the world meeting other mead makers and talking to them, get in touch. <laughs> I've got an agent. I, uh, I will. You know. I will not sleep, and uh, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll be that person. Oh, that would be great. Um, that's the dream, really, isn't that Just a, what, what a lovely man! Oh, I, lovely like man, you yeah. can have like I've I've never really uh, met the man before, of course. I've oh, no, seen not, videos yeah. of bits and pieces, but I hold him in in such high regard for his for his knowledge and what he's done for the for the mead industry, and and he definitely did not. Let it's me also down. nice, yeah, nice when people are really lovely and not and, and humble. Like yeah, you know, yeah, you can good. sit there for hours and go through the things that he's done, yeah, and, it's, and, it's and a real real sense of achievement there. Guys, I can hear the bar absolutely heaving outside, yeah. and I am jonesing through. Yeah, the guys are coming three different times to get to get top ups of, of ice and things like that. So, so and so it's only an hour in. So, so, so it is hopping. So, if you're in Peckham, uh, come join us. Uh, Renegade Wine will be here later. I think that's what he said. I won't oh, be. Right. So, um, beautiful. See you later, guys. Take care, guys. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening guys, hopefully you enjoyed that, so hit the subscribe and like button and follow us on all our social media and we'll see you again next week. If you've got any questions or thoughts or just want to chat about mead and honey, then drop us an email to podcast at gosnels.co.uk. Or better still, jump on our Instagram live at fives, ask us uh, any questions that you have and watch us scramble to try to find the answer and uh, look like we know what we've talked about. Or if you want to see what I look like, you can head on over to the website at www.gosnels.co.uk. We'll